Hey, chiropractors, we're ready for another modern chiropractic marketing show with Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing strategies, content marketing, direct response marketing, and business development with some of the leading experts in the industry. Hey, docs, welcome to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, and today I'm interviewing Jade Greenstein. It's not the first nor last. Uh, he's always someone I reach out to when I want to dive into certain topics that he's always uh, cutting edge on. And, and he's really the one I would say that's brought the net promoter score idea and concept to the chiropractic profession. Uh, he'll talk about the, the references and, and where he uh, got that information. We're going to dive into what it is, why to do it, why it matters, why sometimes having a, a poor net promoter score is the silent killer of your practice. You know, we've all, we've all had seen practices that, that, uh, don't do any marketing, but are just swamped and just, they can't get an, <laughs> they can't fit patients in. Uh, they tend to have high net promoter scores. And then we've also seen practices with very, you know, with good doctors and their marketing is, is fine, but they just don't seem to hit the growth that you think they would. And there could be a net promoter score issue going on. And so we dive into that. We talk about the drivers of it and really what, what you need to do to actually figure out what the net promoter score is of your patient base. And are they, you know, screaming at the top of their lungs for you? And are they saying to themselves, like, you got to go see my chiropractor? And, and if they're not, that's where some of the struggles can be. And then we talk about how you can potentially rectify that. So uh, we have a, a very concise topic we're talking about today with Jay. A lot of times we have very wide ranging conversations and, and this one we uh, just dive into this idea and we talk about certain things like patient adherence and, and, and referability and all those different things and, and just try to start the conversation around improving your net promoter score. So here's my interview with Dr. Jay Greenstein. Before our episode, I want to announce a new sponsor for the podcast, and that is The Grip Approach. Have you thought about adding more rehab services to your office, yet stalled, not knowing where to begin? Most of us know our patients would benefit from skilled rehab in addition to adjustments, but the process can seem daunting to implement and to know exactly what to do to get good results. As chiropractors, we're skilled at palpating the spine to know where to adjust, and the GRIP approach allows us to do the same thing with rehab by essentially palpating a patient's movement control with a series of simple tests. GRIP shows you which rehab exercise to utilize, the best tissue therapies to use, and how often to do it for exceptional results with your patients every time. The best part is GRIP is organized online in a way that you can access seamlessly during patient care. By simply typing in a body region plus the movement of issue, you will get tons of great information on how to help your patients via quick one-minute clips and detailed notes. Right now, their, their introductory course is 100% free on gripapproach.com. That is G-R-I-P approach.com. So there's no reason not to check it out today. All right. Welcome to the show, Jay. I appreciate your time again. This isn't your your first, so we um, hopefully can keep on doing this every so often because I love picking your brain on certain things. But I think a lot of our audience knows the the work you've been doing, but introduce yourself briefly and then we're going to dive into some topics that I think is uh, the missing piece for a lot of chiropractors. And there's a lot of confusion around it and they don't really 
uh, notice the blind spots sometimes. So let's, uh, let's kind of go from there. Okay. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, um, thanks again for having me, Kevin. Always good to hang out, chat with you, because I always get to learn a lot of stuff from you. So I'm excited for this conversation today. Um, for those that don't know me, I'm a chiropractor. I've been practicing in the D.C. region now for, God, almost three decades, about 28 years. Right. And uh, we've got multiple practices. We've got sports performance facilities. We've got Clinical Research Institute, and we've got a technology company. And I'm pretty involved in chiropractic advocacy work and policy work. So, yeah, that's kind of my deal. Yeah, I love having industry transformers on the on the podcast here, and, and you're definitely one of them. And uh, we always uh, thank you for for the work you're doing for the profession too. So that's, right back uh, at you, bro. Right great. back at you. Um, so the topic we're going to dive in today, uh, I'm, I'll mention it, and then I'll let you define it, and we'll just go from there. But that is the the net promoter score. So what is that, and why is that important? Yeah, so net promoter score is a, a literally the measure of patient loyalty, and it was developed by. Fred Reichelt, who wrote the book, The Loyalty Effect, and him and his research team identified one very, very simple question that we need to be asking every single one of our patients, which is how likely are you to refer a friend or family member to our practice? It's literally that one question that um, we can measure and determine loyalty. People who give you nines and tens, they're promoters. The people who give you zero through six, they're detractors. The seven and eights, they're satisfied. So essentially they're neutral. And so the net promoter score is literally the mathematical equation of the percentage of people that give you nines and tens minus the percentage of people that give you zero through six. Anything that's 50 or above is considered good, great. Um, Royal class companies are typically in the 70s or 80s. Okay, that makes sense. And I want to first hone in on mediocrity. Uh, <laughs> that's my specialty. No, it's not. You are, dude, you are far from mediocre. But the, the sevens and eights, you know, I think that's the silent killer in a lot of ways. Would you agree to that for a practice? It's so funny that you say that because like Jack Welch said, mediocrity kills companies. And that's exactly yeah. right. Like sevens and eights are satisfied patients that n- maybe they come back. I'm not going to say never return, but mm-hmm. they might never return because they're just not that they're not loyal. They're just not that super satisfied. So yeah, they're killers. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times, and they're the silent ones, a lot of times the zero through sixes you find out about because they're going to give you a crappy review. They're going to tell the world that they hated your guts. So you find out about them. And then typically, if you're on your stuff, you're reaching out and providing service recovery. But you're right, man, the seven and eights, man, those are, they're silent killers. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's interesting because I always, when I talk with chiropractors, obviously in certain industries or certain things being polarizing can, can benefit you. So like if you're a, a political analyst or something like that, or a, a personality, you probably have this gamut of a lot of nines and tens and a lot of zeros and, and sixes, and you probably are successful in that scenario, but I don't Build, think building your base, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we see it on TV all the time and in our politics and certain things, but ultimately uh, being a, a, a chiropractor or in healthcare, you don't want to be that, you know, you don't want to be too polarizing. We do see it in our profession and you'll see interesting <laughs> enough that uh, those chiropractors that are polarizing have a lot of low numbers, but they probably have a ton of nines and tens too. So maybe that offsets it a little bit. Yeah, like I, I've never really seen any industry data. It would be so interesting yeah. just to look at um, almost like personality type and then what their net promoter scores are and how that drives results. But, um, you know, I feel like the, the, best, the best service that a chiropractor can provide in terms of growing their practices mm-hmm. and, and ultimately driving high net promoter scores 
is to be authentic, to be their real selves, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, if you're your real self, sometimes you're going to get some zeros and that, <laughs> yes. and that that's going to happen. Right. And Definitely. hopefully you can learn from that and maybe mm -hmm. adapt a bit, but I think being authentic is one of the most important things you can do. It is. And, you know, I talked to a lot of chiropractors that you, as you do as well. And sometimes it's hard to put the finger on why their practice isn't growing mm -hmm. and you're trying to do all the things and you're trying to run the ad and you're trying to improve the website and you're doing these different things and it's just not growing. And so I think sometimes this net promoter score could be that missing link for someone. And maybe they're just kind of in that seven, eight too much. And that's why I wanted to have you on this podcast, because sometimes we need to look at all. And later on in this uh, interview, we're going to discuss some of the drivers of that, which will be great. Uh, but to kind of set that up, it's, uh, I think, first and foremost, is having awareness that this even exists. And that maybe this is the, the thing for your practice. And if, the, the first step of anything, right, is, is self-awareness in hmm. that. Um, and you could fall into that category of you're, you're a very good chiropractor, you're likable, um, you've got a fair enough team and your practice looks nice enough and everything, but something's not happening to where they are, you know, saying, oh, you got to go see my doctor, right? We, we've all had those patients and some people obviously have a lot more of them where it's just like, oh, you got to go see my doctor. You got to go see my doctor. You got to go see my doctor. And it's just like, they almost get offended if you go, if you don't go and see their doctor. Right. Right. <laughs> It's they're evangelizing, always, right? They're literally, they're like, you know, they're like out there preaching for, you know, these, these chiropractors that they, that they love. Yeah. Yeah. And it's part of almost become part of your family and your friends and all oh, that. Yeah. And that's ultimately where you see, because I, you know, for good or for bad being the modern chiropractic marketing group and show and all that, some people might pigeonhole me and think that I think everything's around marketing to grow a practice, but uh, the truth truth is, is there's a lot of chiropractic practices out there that aren't really doing a whole lot of marketing, but I can guarantee you their net promoter score is probably through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you've, you've brought up a lot of good points. I think for me, one of the most amazing things when I'm out there kind of on the road and, and speaking and, you know, asking people about whether or not they're even measuring just mm -hmm. generic patient satisfaction that net promoter scores like patient satisfaction on steroids, but mm -hmm. just generic patient satisfaction. And they're not. And I think the, at the very least, the first step that a doctor should be taking is making sure that they're, they're getting a benchmark on their own net promoter score. It's so mm -hmm. easy to do. You, you create a survey monkey account for free. Okay. You download the email list. You send out that one question, you get a score that's your starting point, right? And you measure to improve, not to impress. So over time, you work on very specific, as you said, um, drivers to ensure that you can actually improve your score over time. Okay, perfect. And so reiterate a little bit for our audience, the net promoter score is you take your nines and tens, subtract your zeros through sixes. Mm -hmm. is that so it's the percentage of, of people that you're serving that give you yeah. nines and tens mm -hmm. minus the percentage of people that give you zero through six. Gotcha. And so it's just, it's just pure math, right? So if you're mm -hmm. serving a hundred people and 90 people give you um, 90 people give you nines and tens and nobody gives you a zero through six, your net promoter score is 90, 90, which right? is because mm -hmm. the seven and eights are in those other ones don't count. Gotcha. Perfect. Okay. And then you yeah. said above 50% is where we want to set as kind of a target. Yeah, I think the average for healthcare is 26, if my oh, nice. memory serves me correctly, which <laughs> if you think about the train wreck, and I would use some F-bombs here, but I'm going to not, but if you think about the train wreck that is our US healthcare system, I'm not surprised. Yeah. It's an absolute train wreck. And I think 
why people love their chiropractors so much, quite frankly, is because one, what we do works and chiropractors actually, for the most part, really do know how to connect with their patients, which I think is a key driver. And we'll, I guess, you know, we'll get into the drivers a little bit later, but I think that's a really important part. Yeah. I always say it's like, if I could get a hold of some orthopedic groups around here and actually like tell them how to do some level of customer service and, <laughs> and, and a little you make bit a billion dollars. It's like, be a billionaire. You, you imagine if like a, a spinal surgeon actually care, I'm sure there's some, but like some of these surgeons really cared about this stuff. They'd have like a zillion dollar practice and they yeah. would enjoy their practice and their team would be friendly. I mean, it's miserable what a lot of healthcare is doing. And I do think chiropractor tends to do better because frankly, we have to, or we just would be out of business. That's true. That's <laughs> true. But, and, but I think part of the, one of the drivers of the drivers is that we are passionate about what we do. Yeah. We truly do believe, and we see it in our practices and we know from the current level of scientific literature that what we do works really, 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 really well. And so it becomes very easy to, easy to be passionate about it, to care about our patients and to see the great outcomes that we're getting over time. But mm-hmm. to your point, there's a lot of other drivers that can really drive a, a much higher net promoter score. Yeah, I do think we are fortunate to be in our practice. I was actually at um, the Scheduling Institute conference this last week in Atlanta. Cool. And I would say there's probably 400 folks in there. And I think they said only... 18 of us were, were chiropractors. So it was mostly dentists and that's who their audience mostly is. And, um, you know, they were talking about, um, there's like a high drug use amongst dentists and there's like all these issues and, um, they didn't really dive into the details of it. And obviously dentists do well financially. So you wouldn't really suspect that per se, but, um, maybe they don't have that level of satisfaction that we do as chiropractors. Cause I don't really hear that other than, you know, some of the, the hippie chiropractors having some fun with the LSD, but that's a different story, right? <laughs> a, little, a little plant medicine for some folks. Yeah. Plant, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, nothing wrong. But no, like, but, but on, on a serious note, I think chiropractors uh, mostly realize how fortunate we are to do what we do. And we convey that to our, our patients uh, for the most part. And I think something I wanted to talk about, and I'll, I'll kind of just open up the kimono a little bit is, um, you know, I remember 2015 when I I've made it public on my podcast before, when I was going through my divorce, I really thought I was doing well, uh, keeping that to my personal life when I came to work and was treating patients. I thought I did a good job of it, but I remember probably like middle 2016, it was probably a year and a half after. So some patients, could say, Oh, you're, you're in a bunch better mood now. Like we kind of knew something was going on. I didn't know about it or anything, but you can kind of tell, you know, and, and I look back at that year and, and we struggled compared to previous years of, hmm. and I, you know, and, and I was in action. I didn't really let it get me to where I wasn't getting out of the house. Like I was in action doing a lot of stuff, but uh, you know, patients can sense when there's stuff going on and uh, you know, you'd be surprised with that. And that's sometimes hard to measure, but I would assume at that stage of my practice, my net promoter score was, was not doing so well. Um, Probably better than most people, but you know what? Um, It's, it is interesting. I mean, I went through a divorce as well, and I'm sure that there were definitely days where I was not on my game, Mm -hmm. just not on my game. Yeah. And I, I, this always was a learning experience for me to make sure that you clean up some of the stuff, you know, whether it's the finances of things. Cause I think that's one of my, 
massive transformative purposes for chiropractors is that, you know, clean up the finances, get in action with the marketing and things of that nature. And then you show up to work where you don't worry about the money part of it. You just enjoy what you're doing and you're focused and present on with that patient. And then the money will come, Yeah, uh, you know, because, because you're really, really present with that patient and you're serving them and doing that. And that's where I, I get excited about things like the net promoter score, because um, it's just, it can really be the game changer. And then if you layer on good marketing and great treatment, obviously is the table stakes and you've got good customer service with patients and stuff, then it just becomes real fun. Yeah. I, I think it's so important, Kevin. I'm so glad that you brought this topic to light today, because if you're, if you're a practicing provider, in fact, if you're an owner of any business or you work to serve others and you don't know what your level of customer satisfaction and or loyalty is like, it's like flying blind. I just, I couldn't understand how to do that. Like we look at our scores every week. We look at our Google reviews every week. Like we need to know what does our scorecard look like? And you know, we can talk about traction on another day. Right. But Mm -hmm. like our scorecard is really important. And and what's more important than what our patients think about us. And if we don't have that information, um, I think we're flying blind. So how do you um, continuously check the net promoter score? Yeah. So we have automated email marketing campaigns that go Mm -hmm. out uh, at certain timeframes for our customer lifecycle. Mm-hmm. And then they fill out the survey and we review the data every single week. Perfect. That's great. Yep. And um, since you've been tracking it, have you noticed an improvement in it? So great question. From the mm-hmm. beginning, absolutely. So we started in the high 60s and now our net promoter score is 80. Oh, nice. So we're happy about that. Yeah. Um, but we've been stuck at 80 for a while. That's like my so golf like- handicap, you know. Get <laughs> 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 to a certain um, point, it gets even harder. Yeah. And so, you know, actually... Uh, I think you might have met Kat. She's our director of integrated mm-hmm. operations. And, um, you know, we actually have a meeting on the schedule to go through um, a customer experience program to build a customer experience program. And literally based on my friend, Joey Coleman's work. And I don't know mm-hmm. if you know, Joey, but he's, he's got like, a book out. Yeah. He's yeah. got a really good popular book. I, it's not, I can't think of the name. It's never lose another customer That's- again. Joey's an, so he's a great friend. He's, he's got this great book. I highly encourage everybody to read his book. Mm-hmm. Um, but he sets out the framework of what it looks like to build a customer excellence program inside your business. And he's mm-hmm. done tons of research and he's identified the kind of these eight critical areas that you can drive better experiences for your patients and thus driving loyalty. Um, and so we're going to use that framework. Uh, we've actually already used it to a degree with, with some of our employee programs. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, we talk about the reason why we started with employees in just a bit, but now we're ready to build out for our, for our patients because we're stuck and we need to break through that 80 mark. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, it's, I, I love to hear that because being stuck at 80, obviously 80 is good, but you're not settling and obviously when healthcare, you said it's like 26 or 27%, uh, you're, you're doing well, but there's, uh, there's that drive to obviously keep on improving and, and having that consistent feedback, I'm sure is helping you find those maybe blind spots that could get you a, a little bit more. So yeah, for sure. That's and cool. I love what you said about self-awareness and blind spots, because yeah. there are things that we don't see as business owners and providers that maybe our staff sees, or certainly our patients see. Um, and if we don't know about them, we can never improve. Yeah. You know, I was actually having a <laughs> consult call earlier 
And I just recommend it as like, have a, a friend that's honest and not afraid to hurt your feelings and just like have them walk through your office and do kind of like a, a an audit of what the, what is it like? You know, like, do they, and I want to do it like during hours, like, well, how is the front desk staff? And like, how's the paint on the walls? You know, is there uh, scuff marks on the you know floor? Uh, what was the vibe? Was the music good, bad, quiet? You know, like, did it feel like it was empty? You don't want to go to that restaurant at, uh, you know, 7 p.m. and it's empty. Like, what is it like? And so they're going to they're going to do that. Um, have you tried anything like that or any insights on something like that? It's just kind of came to me. I'll tell you what, that is a brilliant idea. And it actually happened organically for me. Mm-hmm. So a good friend of mine, and I think you know him as well, Dr. Ron Farabaugh, mm-hmm. uh, well-respected chiropractor, past chair of the clinical compass, yep. great guy, great friend. He was visiting Maryland and he's like, Hey, I want to go check out one of your offices. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, awesome. Go check it out. Go to this clinic. Yeah. So he went to the clinic and he gave me like a five page detailed report on where I was effing up and where I needed to improve. It was, it was awesome. And That's like, crazy. we have a great, you know, a great, and I love feedback, feedback. You can't grow yeah. unless people give you feedback, but he was just like straight on heads up. Like, this is the deal, bro. You need to fix this S because it's not, it's not looking good for you. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not how you want to be representing your brand. And you know, those, those, those pieces of information, that feedback that I just couldn't see because I'm in it every day, yeah. um, were just brilliant. And it was mm-hmm. it was really, really helpful for us to make improvements. So I yeah. love that you gave your client that advice because that's brilliant advice. And the listeners should do that. Like that's yeah. a great thing for them to do. I'm going to start a new show instead of like Bar Rescue. It'll be Cairo Rescue. I'm just going <laughs> to bash people and slam them. <laughs> Dude, I love it, you know, because ultimately <laughs> that's what's going to help them get better, right? Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a break from today's episode and announce our sponsor, Propel Marketing and Design. I've known Darcy Sullivan for years, and we've worked hand-in-hand on my websites. I don't trust anybody else to do search engine optimization. There's so much to it, and she does a great job. If you're really going to get results with Google, you have to make sure your website is SEO optimized. And I really don't want you doing it yourself as a chiropractor. You just have to have this type of stuff done for you. There's just no way around it. And if you're looking to get more organic online traffic that pulls in new patients, Propel Marketing Design is currently offering chiropractors who listen to this podcast a free SEO website review. The free review will help you uncover methods that will improve your website and boost your search engine visibility. Head over to propelyourcompany.com slash chiropractor and schedule your free SEO website review. You won't regret it. She gets great results and your website needs this. Your search results need this. Head on over there to propelyourcompany.com slash chiropractor to get your free SEO website review today. Look, you've heard me talk about ChiroUp before, and I'll talk about them again. For those of you that aren't familiar with ChiroUp or haven't checked them out, what they are doing is amazing. I just love their clinical expertise and how they really help the chiropractor and help the chiropractor help their patient base. Right? ChiroUp is an online platform designed by two chiropractors, Dr. Tim Bertelsman and Dr. Brandon Steele. They have nailed down the three things that chiropractors want and then created the resources to accomplish these goals all in one online system. Look, if you want to save more time, treat more conditions confidently, and grow your practice, then you need to try ChiroUp. Their subscribers love ChiroUp because the resources are practice game changers. 
I love them because I feel like we don't know how to create content sometimes and we struggle with ideas or feeling confident in what we're talking about and Kyra really helps solve that for you. And you will love them because of their commitment to work with you and your unique practice goals. Seriously, go to their website, check out their plans and see what they're all about. First time subscribers can get 15% off their monthly subscription with the code Christy15. That's Christy15 for 15% off your monthly subscription. Cool. So uh, what are some of these, these drivers of net promoter score? Cause obviously, you know, in theory it's, it's, it's great. Um, and if you start to get that score, you may not know what the next step is, but what are some of the key drivers that you see that, um, that can really move the needle on this? Yeah. So there's, there's a few things that really stand out for me. The, the first thing that stands out for me is some of the data from Press Ganey. Press Ganey, if you don't know, is one of the largest, if not the largest patient satisfaction group in the world. And so they've got like tons of data, tons of analytics. And here's what they found. This is the secret sauce. Employee engagement, employee satisfaction mm-hmm. drives patient engagement, patient satisfaction. So if you've got a crappy team or you're a crappy leader, you're going to have crappy scores. Mm -hmm. So for us, it's all about starting with our team, which is exactly why we use Joey's framework to start with our team first. How can we create an even better employee experience, let them experience something remarkable so they could in turn do the same thing for our patients. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, I was listening to Gary Vaynerchuk speak at a, at a cadre conference. You're a member mm-hmm. of cadre, Kevin. So you know about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was speaking and he was, he was talking about how important it was that his team knew that his team was first more important than any customer. And that was a shift for me because I was like, for years, it was like, Oh, put the patient first, right? Patient mm-hmm. first, patient first. But from that time on, and there was lots of debates over the years about what, what was best. But from that time on, we flipped it. And my number one priority at that point was to do everything I could to create the best experience possible for my team. Do they love everything that I do? No, I'm the boss. Sometimes mm-hmm. the decisions I have to make are not, are not great for them, right? They, they might not want to work an extra shift when it snows and we've got to see our patients. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I truly believe this. I mean, I truly believe this. And our, and our employee engagement scores, I think, speak to this, that my team knows that I care about them. Mm-hmm. Like they, they absolutely know that I care about them. So the first thing that I think our audience can do is you can actually give your employees an employee engagement score. It's called the Q12. It was developed by Gallup. It's 12 oh. questions. There's actually a hierarchy. So the first couple of questions are like the basic needs of your employees. And if you're not getting high scores there, those are easy things to fix. Mm-hmm. And then it moves up from there. It's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs for employees. Mm-hmm. But you can, again, create a SurveyMonkey account list those 12 questions, send it out, do it anonymously. Don't get defensive when you don't like the score or the answers. Yeah. I had the crappiest scores at the beginning. It was like a 2.7, literally mm-hmm. out of five. I mean, it, I was basically failing as a leader, mm-hmm. but you know what? You, you get the feedback, you learn from that. You do some deeper diving by having one-on-one conversations with your team. I've gotten 360s before, again, to, to, the, to your point oh. of blind spots, where my team is telling me where I'm not doing a good job as a leader, where I can make improvements. Um, so doing the survey, then sitting down with your team and doing one-on-ones and asking them, like, what are my strengths? Okay, great. Where are my areas of opportunity for improvement so that you can do a better job as a leader, create a more remarkable experience for them. And then ultimately that will drive better scores. I do want to say one other thing is I know I can ramble on this, Kevin. I, I like apologize. This. No, this is good. But, but your, 
one of the most important things that you have to make sure that you're doing is that you're actually serving the right people. Mm -hmm. Because if you start with a crappy team and you survey them, even though you could be the best leader in the world, you might not end up with the results that you're looking for. So to like Jim Collins, you know, point first two, then what, you know, chapter number two and good to great. You've got to make sure that you've got the right people on team first. I should have actually started there. But if you know you've got the right uh, people on, on the team, survey them, get your Q12 scores, get detail around how you can make improvements, and then do your best to, to drive a remarkable experience for your team. That's part A. Part B is, this is straight from Joey Coleman. I'll never forget this. He came in and actually spoke to our company. It was like one of the best events we ever had. And he said, one of the most important ways that you can drive a remarkable experience for your patients is, is answering these questions. Who is your customer? Mm -hmm. What do you know about them? How do you create a personal and emotional connection with them? And knowing all of that, how do you then wow them? And if you can answer those four questions for your patient base, you are addressing kind of the intrinsic issues around your practice and your team. And then you're also doing something patient facing that can drive really remarkable experiences. And therefore, to your point earlier, have your patients be raving fans, be talking about the experience that they're having in your practice, mm -hmm. because it's not like any other healthcare experience hell, any other service experience that they would ever have anywhere else. Yep. Oh, that was good. I like it. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting because sometimes like, I remember when, as I started to really dive into this type of uh, self-improvement and, and podcasting and interviewing, you know, this is the fourth, actually, we just had our four year anniversary in a podcast. Oh man, congrats. Yeah. It, it, the, the problem I ran into is like, I started learning a lot about hiring and, and team and things like that. And then you, you come to this realization is like, I really need to fire that person. <laughs> it's a, retroactively. Sometimes you have to say, you know what, uh, knowing what I know now, what I, I think that's from the, the book. It's like, if, if you ask yourself that knowing no, what I know now, would I date that person or knowing what I know now, would I hire that person? Yeah. If, if it's no, then that's what you got to do is you got to get rid of them, even though it's uh, re retroactively. It's really hard, but you can quantify. We use uh, a nine box and you can quantify your, your team. Um, so you can have like values on one axis and performance on the X axis. And then all you do is you have like ABC or three, two, one or high, medium, low. And all you do is you nine box them. You plot your employees where they are on the value versus performance matrix. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, for us as an organization, if somebody's not performing well, but they're high on values, like they exhibit the behaviors that align with our values, we're going to work with them. We're going to train them up, do everything we possibly can to get them to the performance level that we need to. But if they're low on values, even if they're high in performance, those are the hardest people to let go because they're crushing it in their role, but they're also killing your culture. Yeah. And like, I know how hard it is to get rid of those people. And I say get rid of, that's probably not the most appropriate statement, <laughs> but to help them move on to a different role because they're going to be happier and so are you. Um, but, but those are the people that you just literally have to sit down and have a conversation with and be like, I don't know, this is the best fit. Let's work together to find you your next, you know, best place to work and help mm -hmm. us bring in somebody that we can fill your role with. Yeah. I always, always call them the Terrell Owens of the practice. You know, it's like a good football analogy of someone who is obviously super talented, but just a tough personality in the locker room. And it, and it, it just doesn't last too long. It burns out really quickly. 
It really, really does. And it's hard to do. And I've, I've failed many times in doing it. I've waited too long, but when you do it, it literally changes your practice. It does. It does. It it really clears the air a lot and and it creates a vacuum for the right type of person. So, yeah. And ultimately as it relates to net promoter score and creating these remarkable experiences, it ties directly to the culture of your practice. Mm -hmm. And if you've got people in your practice that are bringing the vibe down, bringing the culture down, um, you, you, you got to help them move on as quickly as possible. Yeah, exactly. So we got ourselves squared away. We got our team squared away. We're working on that. Um, net, what's next in this net promoter score drivers? Yeah, again, I mean, if you, if you've got your, if you've got your, the right team in place and you've got some really good benchmarking data on what your employee engagement scores are, you know, the next step again, after the one-on-ones where, you know, you can identify where you might be able to make some improvements as a leader. Mm -hmm. um, If you're, if you're doing that work or when you've done that work and then you sit down, I think, you know, I would say with the entire team, but sometimes it can be on an individual basis as well. But I really feel like it's best to sit down with your entire team and go through the four questions that I just talked about and then design based on those eight steps of, of never losing another customer again, design a strategy, those touch points that you will have with your patients to help create these remarkable experiences. Mm -hmm. And you may not be able to do all eight. Um, Maybe you start with two Mm -hmm. or one and you get really good at that. And over time you add, but I think, you know, for us as an organization, and we're, we've got a pretty solid infrastructure. There's no way that we could do all eight at once, you know, one, two, get really good at that. And then slowly add as you need to, once you've built out that infrastructure, um, I can't imagine that your net promoter score is not going to be in the eighties or nineties. You're just going to, you're going to have great results. But for the vast majority of doctors out there who are not even measuring this number yet, at least get your benchmark data. Mm -hmm. Send out that net promoter score on SurveyMonkey to your email list. I want to, I want to workshop something with you here. Uh, sorry to put you on the spot, but no, um, I look at you too, as far as um, you talk a lot about patient adherence and how important that is. Um, and I think what, what I'm seeing a lot from chiropractors that I talk to is um, they're not providing enough guidance for a treatment plan with a patient and they're leaving after a couple visits or three visits and, and the patient adherence is not there, which I've heard you define as doctor discharge versus versus patient discharge. And, and so if we've got a, if we've got a problem with patient adherence, and I really like how you delineated that between doctor discharge and patient discharge. So it's like, you might've set them on a treatment plan, but maybe they did better than you expected and you did discharge them. That's not uh, a lack of patient adherence in that scenario. So I like how that's how you have that defined. So my, my question is, is that because I'm seeing these, a lot of these chiropractors not do a good job of setting up respectable, reasonable treatment plans with duration and frequency. In my opinion, selling the patient short in a lot of ways, maybe they're falling off care. They got a little bit better, but they fall back into their chronic pain or whatever they did. Um, do you see a tie between a failure of the patient adherence and potentially net promoter score? That is a phenomenal question. And now I'm going to have to go back and look at our data to see if I have that. But that's a great question. And understanding the the self-discharge puzzle Mm -hmm. is is something that, as you said, is really important to me. I was looking at two and a half years worth of self-discharge data about three hours ago. And I was looking at 
I was looking at it by referral source mm-hmm. and wondering what were there certain predictors of whether or not somebody would self-discharge. And one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest categories of self-discharges was a returning patient. So a patient who loved us and came back to us, was loyal to us, probably had a high net promoter score or else they wouldn't have come back. Maybe they were satisfied, but I would bet that most were loyal. They're the ones that were self-discharging. So now, now we're strict about how we measure it because a self-discharge means that they complete every visit that's been prescribed. And to your point, we change over time if we need to. Mm-hmm. If they're getting better faster, great. We can discharge them earlier. That's the goal. Get them better as fast as humanly possible. So I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the answer to your question. I'm now going to be very curious to find it out. I've got to dig into some data. Yeah. But I think that there are so many factors that tie to adherence. Some mm-hmm. are intrinsic motivators. Yeah. Is, the, is the patient truly, and you can measure this through either the Startback tool or the patient activation measure, um, are they truly intrinsically motivated to get better? Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of it. Another part of it is what are their goals? What are their specific treatment goals? And are you tying the treatment plan specifically to their goals? So we have them write down their three goals of care at the beginning. And then we also explain their treatment plan so we can make the connection between why we're prescribing what what we're prescribing based on the evidence. And I'm going to get back to that in one second and how that ties to them achieving their goals. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about based on the evidence. We use clinical practice guidelines and dosing studies that have been published in the scientific literature. It's on a report of finding sheet that we show to a patient and say, this is what the evidence says about what it's going to take to get you better as quickly as possible. This is the frequency. This is the duration. This is what happens if you come in three times, two times, one times in terms of reduction in pain and disability based on the evidence. This is what we're recommending. Let's fill out your schedule. And that's what we do. Now, that doesn't always necessarily guarantee that a patient is going to doctor discharge. There are other factors, but we feel like patients understanding their treatment plan goes a long way. They need to see their journey. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to my next kind of passion around this is the digital visualization of that journey, which is what we're working on in the next version of our Canvas app, where patients can actually know where they are, know where they've been, know where they're going, so that they can see that there is truly light at the end of the tunnel. One of the complaints that we've heard in doing human-centered designs is patients don't know where they are in their treatment plan. So they're gonna make their own independent decision. I feel better, I must be done. And then they're gonna say, bye-bye. They're not gonna complete their rehab. They're not gonna complete their necessary course of care. And then what, what do we know from the scientific evidence? the most accurate predictor of a future musculoskeletal injury, past injury, because yep. patients stop when the pain goes away. Yeah. And we uh, don't want that. And that's the thing. I, I like how you're talking about the frequency and duration based on evidence-based guidelines. I think we've gone too far because obviously some in the profession have done pretty lengthy treatment plans, which we all know about, and, and we yep. don't need to dive into that. But I think sometimes we've gone too far and been afraid to actually give treatment plans and, and look the patient in the eye and, and actually do that. And I think that's a problem. And then I wanted to touch on one of your things you mentioned was you're, you know, you're noticing a difference between reactivation patients and the patient adherence, right? Well, so what I did is I didn't look at self versus doctor discharge in the analysis okay. that I did three hours ago. All I did is I had CAT run all of my data for self-discharges over the last yeah. two and a half years. Actually, it's a little a little under two and a half years because um, it's May. 
But mm-hmm. and then I just looked at the categories of referral sources because yeah. my hypothesis was that they came in from social media. I'm like, oh, those Instagram patients, they're yeah, so flaky, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But, but, you know, that wasn't true, you know? And th- this, is, this is why data is so important because yeah. we have these beliefs, but, mm-hmm. but data sometimes confirms them and data sometimes um, uh, refutes them. So what was interesting is that um, our, our returning patients was the number one category of self-discharges that we had. So here's a thought I have, and this is something I've been working with some of my clients that I consult with, is that I ask them a question. I was like, if Bob comes in as a new patient with mechanical low back pain, whatever, name the diagnosis, and you give him, do you give him a report of findings? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, I do this, that, and the other day. You know, I sit down with them, the whole thing. Okay. What happens when Mary comes in with the same exact problem diagnosis, but she was in your office eight months ago with something else? Do you go through the same good, concise report of findings and treatment plan that you did for Bob, the new patient? They're like, no, actually, I don't. I kind of more like willy nilly about it. And I don't actually sit down with that. So I'm not saying that's your practice. I'm not saying that's all practice, but I think sometimes chiropractors look at the new patient and do a really good job of communicating with the report of findings. But then when it's reactivated, Mary, they kind of just like, Hey, you know, come in a couple of times. We'll see how it goes. Like they're just like, whatever about it. Do you think that could be a a problem with patient adherence and that? Man, you're asking me all these good questions. Now I'm going to be talking to my doctors when I meet with them and I'll be like, okay, guys, so you're giving a full report of findings. If it's a new area of complaint, I think they do. Um, but it's a great question. And again, I could be wrong. I could be just assuming. Um, but I do think it is very important because Mm -hmm. the patient might not even be able to make the connection that because they came in X number of times at X frequency for their neck, Mm -hmm. it's, it should be the same for their lower back. They, they deserve the same level of patient education for whatever condition they're coming in from. I think the difference maybe would be again, the reactivation or that patient is returning and they've got, they're coming in for supportive care where, you know, you're just trying to keep them at a certain level of function and symptomatology, you know, mm-hmm. that might be different, but yeah, for, for sure. those new complaints, I totally agree, man. You, you yeah. gotta, you gotta, you gotta give it your, you know, give it your all, give it a hundred percent. No, you do. And it's definitely not for the one that comes in once a week or once right. a month or whatever. It's right. that one is like, you know, Mary came in for headaches before and now she's coming in with back pain. Why, why are we treating Mary different than Bob? The new patient. So maybe that'll help with some of the patient adherence. You're you're giving me some homework, bro. I love it. Yeah. We'll have to have a part two of this or a part six. (laughs) There you go. I love it. But, uh, well, listen, I think that was, was great. Now I know, um, you're doing a lot around this. What are some of the things that chiropractors could reach out to you for, to really help with this? Cause I think technology is a big driver of this as well. And I know you're always on the, on the the forefront of, of technology and, and, I'm kind of following your lead on it and my, my own practice and stuff. So tell us a little bit about that and how you're seeing technology help with the net promoter score. Sure. Um, so what's, what's really interesting, as you know, because um, you are customers that we've built a mobile app and we built it mm-hmm. for other chiropractors because of our own data around adherence. Mm-hmm. Um, we once again, looked at over two years worth of data, 4,200 patients. And what we found is that patients who download the app 
came in 36% more in a prescribed care plan. Mm -hmm. Not just generic visits like for the hell of it, but this was actually prescribed care by the provider. But then I, I was I was talking to a couple of friends of mine and they gave me some really interesting feedback. And they said, well, these patients are probably already engaged. Mm -hmm. So you've got almost like a selection bias there. They're downloading the app, they're already engaged. So I said, you know what, you're right. Let's look a little deeper. So what we did is we looked at the cohort of patients who doctor discharge versus self-discharge. Mm -hmm. And what we found is that patients who doctor discharge ended up coming about one and a half more visits, which kind of makes sense. It was not statistically significant because mm -hmm. when patients doctor discharge, you're getting a certain number of average visits anyway, the doctor's prescribing and the patient completes their care. So you wouldn't expect the app to have that much of a difference. However, the self-discharge patients came in over 69% more almost 70% more. So what that tells us is that if mm -hmm. the patient is less engaged and they're less likely to be adherent, at least they're going to be more adherent for longer because they're engaged with the app. It's helping with their home exercise program. It's helping them with gamification coming into their visits. It's helping them with content, connection to the practice, scheduling, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So where we are going next is actually to do exactly what you just said, Kevin, because we, we, we haven't built it yet, but we are in the process of building it, which is identifying adherence and outcomes and patient loyalty. Mm -hmm. And so in the next version of the app, which will be HIPAA compliant, we will be collecting that data. And again, I'd be happy to come back and report yeah. what that data looks like once we have it. That's probably going to be, I would say, at least a year from now. Okay, perfect. That sounds great to me. And yeah, I highly re recommend checking out the app. Uh, where can they find that information? Yeah, sure. They can go to our website. It's um, www.kaizenovate, Kaizen, K-A-I-Z-N-O-V-A-T-E.com. And you can just click on, click on that link and um, yeah, check out the, check out the website. We've got all kinds of resources on that site and you can schedule a demo mm -hmm. of the app, see if it's right for your practice. And, um, and then, yeah, go from there. Yeah. You know, and, and the cool thing is, is like, if you ever wanted an app for your practice, that's what this is. And it's, it's actually branded for your clinic. Uh, you can even put different tiles on there that are, you know, unique to you. Like we use, we happen to use physiotech for our exercise, but we can actually, they can click on it right there and takes it to that. Uh, we have an ergonomics platform. Again, it, it's ours, but it can go right to it. So it's really cool how it can be customized. And it looks like you have an app that you designed yourself, which is great. Because you do, and you actually did design it yourself. We just built it. <laughs> yeah. You get to design it. I just saved the zillions of dollars of designing my own app. So <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah. Well, no, it's great. We really do want to make it affordable because ultimately, like, we truly believe that we're in the customer success business. Like we want our docs to be successful because the more successful they are, and I know you have this exact same DNA, Kevin, mm -hmm. the more the more ability we have to grow our impact with all the patients that need our care. 14% of the population is just not acceptable anymore. And we've just got to grow our impact. And this is, you know, one of the ways that we're trying to do this digitally to create more impact. Perfect. Well, I appreciate that. And I, I thank you for your time today. Oh, it's always a pleasure, bro. I love hanging out with you. And um, thanks for inviting me today. Yep. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. Before you leave, make sure you check out our website. We've got blogs and podcasts and all kinds of great info at www.modernchiropracticmarketing.com. We also have a closed Facebook group of the same name where a lot of like-minded chiropractors are workshopping ideas and making sure that we have this continual advancement of marketing, business, mindset, and just growth of your practice. So check us out, modernchiropracticmarketing.com and the Facebook group of the same name.